This is Ken Forster, Executive Director of Momentum. Welcome to our Digital Industry Leadership Podcast, produced by, for, and about digital industry leaders. In this series of conversations, we capture insights from the best and brightest minds in digital industry. They're executives, entrepreneurs, advisors, and other thought leaders. What they have in common is like our team at Momentum, they are deep industry practitioners. We hope you find these podcasts informative as always. We welcome your comments and suggestions. Good day and welcome to edition 137 of our Digital Industry Leadership Series. Today, I'm very pleased to welcome Eva Schoenleitner, CEO of Crate.io, the leading global database for industrial IoT and machine data. Crate is one of our Momenta portfolio companies. Eva has over 20 years of international experience in technology and industries. She was most recently head of digital partnerships at the global industrial company ABB based in Switzerland. Prior, she held senior management positions over 20 years in the U.S. in sales, marketing, and product management roles in global technology companies such as Microsoft and VMware as well as management consulting roles with Deloitte and IBM. She is an Austrian native, having studied chemistry and mathematics at the Kepler University in Linz, and holds an MBA from Emory University in Atlanta, Georgia. Eva, welcome to our Digital Industry Leadership Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's really exciting to be here today. It's really exciting to have you as well. I, I certainly wanted to do this earlier in your uh, time with Crate.io, but I thought it'd be really interesting to get a perspective now that you've uh, got a good uh, eight months under uh, enroll as, uh, as their new CEO. So I always like to kind of bookend the questions starting off with, um, you know, to get a, a sense for the person in their digital industry leadership journey. What would you consider to be the red thread of your leadership journey? I've been always uh, looking for roles that I find uh, really challenging, that uh, bring new opportunities in terms of um, creating something new, uh, changing something of a larger nature, be very often on the leading edge, almost bleeding edge of technology. So um, something where I don't just take over a a role and then just manage and have a 0.5% improvement over my last three successors. Um, that's not the kind of roles I'm looking for. And uh, you will see this when we talk a bit of my background of how each role really moved uh, and you know, really um, captured that uh, criteria. And that's why I succeed then also um, quite well over the years. I can uh, I can see that and why you are so well placed where you're at now. I would uh, term it transformational leadership, perhaps, uh, as an example. So. Coming out of a a chemical and mathematics degree, you jumped right into consulting with IBM and later with Deloitte, uh, leading e-business business service initiative, which I must say it was uh, back, uh, and that was one of my starts as well back in the day. Uh, You might even call it one of the first digital transformation initiatives, at least relative to enterprise. So what inspired you to jump to uh, consulting from this background, and what lessons do you think we learned from that e-business wave? Yeah, well, you're totally dating us now, you know this. Um, hopefully, thank goodness it's a podcast and not one with pictures where one could maybe see my gray hair here. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, what happened is uh, basically I did a technical uh, degree, a master's degree in Austria, and then very quickly throughout realized that I want to be really on the business side of things. And um, it's great if you have a very technical degree, but we're really missing uh 
um, finance, accounting, and some other strategic directions. So what I did is I moved to the U.S., uh, went to Emory and got my MBA after just a very few years of uh, work experience. And then after that, I thought, uh, well, I'm in the U.S., isn't this a great opportunity to gain a bit more work experience there? And uh, and so I started moving into uh, business consulting there and very quickly moved into technology consulting um, at IBM first several years. Uh, my uh, industry background is consumer packaged goods and retail, and so that's where I was in the days. Uh, moved very quickly from what one did in the days, uh, process improvements and things like that, um, into uh, technology consulting. Uh, I'm also one of these many people that implemented SAP and other uh, technology solutions then at uh, these kinds of uh, customers, consumer packaged goods ones, food services, and so on. And uh, and that's really got, I got my grounding there. And uh, um, my first really global large company experience. Um, and I loved it because that practice, even in the day, was very innovative, uh, was at the bleeding edge of technology and what they applied. And uh, and I was in the US. Um, I did think that for, um, yeah, after three years, I'd come back and uh, I don't know how that happened, but uh, I was in the US for over 20 years and just recently came back again uh, in 2017. So. Uh, a slight delay on that one. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, certainly well-placed in the uh, companies and the uh, geographies you were at. You and I might have actually overlapped. I'm thinking, you know, uh, the the Emory University and uh, CPG. I was a, a, a cook man, so uh, headquartered there in Atlanta. And uh, certainly uh, very strong CPG initiatives. And yes, SAP. <laughs> so so, so yeah, I know you've helped. What I did is, I mean, Atlanta, coming from Austria, you know, the Central European kind of mildish climate or relatively and also having strong seasons. So I'm an outdoor person and uh, in, in Atlanta, it was just too hot and humid for me. So I figured out, OK, um, I don't want to stay there in terms of living, uh, but I found the Pacific Northwest was very similar. And so. Um, I moved to, uh, my husband and I moved to Seattle in the days, and uh, unfortunately, IBM didn't have a great practice there, so that's when I uh, moved to a regional practice in Deloitte. <clears throat> Same kind of focus, uh, also, um, you know, kind of very retail distribution, um, consumer package, good focused, um, but also basically uh, technology consulting, IT consulting, um, and, um, and I had a wonderful time there, so uh, it, was, it was an excellent experience. I can imagine. Having lived through a uh, a number of uh, summers, i.e., July and August in Atlanta, I, I can appreciate it's not much of an outdoor uh, sport there, <laughs> unless you happen to find some water somewhere. So I know you held progressive digital leadership roles over eleven years at Microsoft, of course, Pacific Northwest, and and I'd say you know what was probably a relatively formative time for that company and then you went on to do similar roles for VMware and Sage what were some of the highlights of your time at these companies and how do you how did how did this help shape your perspective of uh, digital industry uh, very much so i mean uh, when you really think about it when you're in consulting and um, anybody had has been in consulting or is knows this <clears throat> You know, usually you need to figure out, okay, are you moving up the partner track? And and I at the time decided, as I was building out this e-business practice, I built, I formed a lot of partnerships with technology companies um, and uh, like the SAPs of the world. 
and then oracles and so on and realized wow this this partnership building is really something i have passion for um and in fact i would love to work for um, a software company the technology company itself actually doing exactly that and this is how i actually came to microsoft in the days um microsoft was just getting really expanding into the enterprise and obviously from what i just said i was in the enterprise at the time and knew how to manage partnerships and so that's how i got started there managing large partnerships, global ones. Um, like in many large technology companies, every two to three years, we switch roles. And so I was in uh, the various partnership roles for four to five years. And then uh, my old manager then basically sat me down one day and said, hey, um, you need to decide what you want to do. Uh, you can stay in a role like this. Uh, it's basically enterprise-wide. It's global role. Uh, it's sales-focused. But uh, if you really want to make uh, your move up to the levels, you need to get other experience and broaden your skill set. Um, and in Microsoft, I think it's still the same today, um, you absolutely have to get regional experience, not you know, get out of the, the tower of corporate, and also be very close to a product. Um, and I thought about it and it's like, yep, um, I want to do this. I want to broaden my experience. Uh, I'm young enough, why shouldn't I do this? And so in the days, uh, one of the roles I moved over is quite a radical move, is move to the Windows Business Group, uh, Windows Client in this case, so desktops, not server, um, and uh, into the U.S. subsidiary. Okay, um, anybody who knows Microsoft knows that the difference between the U.S. subsidiary, which is in like one town of, uh, subtown of Seattle and, uh, and, and the corporate headquarters is by car, maybe 10 minutes away, 15 if there's traffic, but it still made a difference. Um, and uh, my role changed there quite significantly. It was the number two over there for this Windows business group. Um, three years later, I decided and I launched Windows 7 there and had really exciting times. Um, looked at uh, different market segments, everything from consumer to small business, mid markets and the enterprise, worked with partners again, where I came from. Uh, so it's a great experience. Um, but then I thought, to the point of 10 minutes away, shouldn't I really take the opportunity to go into, I wouldn't say a real region, but a more distant region. Um, and at the time I was already in, in the US for 15 plus years. It's like, wouldn't this be the opportunity to uh, jump back into Europe um, and be closer also to my family, I have to say there's private reasons for that too. Um, but really jump into a region and that one that's really far away. And so I did. I had the opportunity to move to actually Munich um, and become the number one of the Windows Business Group for Central and Eastern Europe, which is 30 plus countries, including Russia, Poland, and so on, the, all the stands. Um, and um, at the time then I launched the first cloud service there, cloud, um, Windows Intune, into several countries there. And uh, it was just a natural progression, but it was excellent experience. Because uh, one, one is out of corp and truly is in countries and regions. Um, and uh, also from a career step, obviously, I did make a ladder step up um, as I took over the whole business group uh, versus uh, just uh, well, pretty much half of it. 
Well, some uh, great steps, and I hadn't uh, realized the uh, the size of the region you were running in out of Munich. That's quite impressive uh, across there. Uh, impressive enough that I, in 2017, you joined ABB as Group Vice President of Digital Partnerships for uh, for ABB. Shortly after Guido Jure, who uh, this podcast knows very well because we featured him on several times, became Chief Digital Officer. So, what was your mandate uh, at ABB, and you know? What were some of the wins in that role? Yeah, totally. I mean, um, after four years in Germany, actually my husband and I moved back to Seattle again um, and I was there. And as I was looking for my, my next role, it's like, what do I do? And, and where is my my core interest in terms of your match between skill set and interest? And at the time, I was actually looking and thinking startup already. But then at the time, you would not believe it. My old boss from Deloitte and Touche from a very long time ago, called me up and when we had coffees every maybe twice a year or so, it's like, wow, I just joined this really cool company. It's like totally not traditional. I mean, it is traditional, but not typical for a software person. It's called ABB and I say, A what? And <laughs> GE is a total name in the US. Um, and uh, <laughs> so now it's a competitor of, of GE, it's awesome. Um, and, uh, and the, this this OT company, so basically industrial company, is trying to recruit technical people coming out of the software industry to really accelerate the digitalization initiatives they are undertaking. And um, I was so fascinated. I flew down to uh, California. I met with Guido. We had a wonderful talk with him and the rest of the leadership team. And it's like, wow, um, this really is the next generation and an iteration of really the next level of where somebody like me coming out of the software industry could really impact and make a huge impact. And that's exactly what I did. Um, as we were interviewing, they realized, oh, you are from Austria and you speak German. And in Switzerland, they speak German too. Uh, very hard to understand, though, but with the accent. <laughs> uh, but um, should you right move to, uh, to Switzerland, then you will be at the corporate headquarters and be kind of the extension of this digital group, which was located in California. And so I talked to my husband. It's like, are we up for this again? I mean, we were just there in Germany for four years. Uh, we had a good time there, but uh, uh, and so we decided now we're gonna we're gonna go for it. We're adventurous. Um, we packed up our cats. Uh, we sold everything in the U.S. and moved over. And uh, what did I really do? I went back to my roots. Um, I actually was um, instrumental and led the development of the digital partner ecosystem there. Because as you know, with digitalization, nobody can do it alone. Uh, you need to build a good ecosystem uh, and to have these partnerships so really accelerate. Um, so you have the components to then accelerate and build your digital solutions. And that's exactly what I did. So very much from eons ago, what I did at Deloitte & Touche, then what I did at Microsoft, I then basically applied um, to today's technologies, of course, um, and applied at ABB so to really accelerate these things, uh, digitalization. So the partnerships I'm talking about, so somebody, uh, you have an idea, I mean, obviously the underlying one was Microsoft because uh, the company had decided even before I came that uh, to build the digital solutions on the Azure platform. Um, and then basically I built an ecosystem around that. So everything from consulting firms uh, to other technology companies, one of them being uh, also Create.io. 
And uh, thus brings us really to the uh, present. Uh, I I actually remember having a debrief with uh, Christian Lutz, who uh, was the founder and then CEO uh, um, of Credo at the Zurich train station, and it must have been right after the meeting. He was telling me about the, the you know the, the the all the great work going on with ABB, and then speaking very highly of the the, the participants of the meeting, uh, yourself included. What was it about Credio that compelled you to uh, have them partner with ABB and and ultimately to join them? So um, the partnering, I mean, I basically built up a, a governance and how one evaluates a partner. I mean, ABB, like industrial companies, are very process driven. Uh, they are coming from the long history of of engineering. And so uh, basically it was a deep technical evaluation. It was not uh, just a handshake feel good kind of thing. Um, if you look at the basically Azure um, ecosystem to see what kind of key technologies are needed. Uh, and one of those key technologies was a, a super robust, highly scalable database for machine data, which is exactly what uh, ABB was building, uh, digital solutions using machine data. And, uh, and so a deep assessment came about and with the technical teams. And after that, um, ABB, then uh, basically the, the various stakeholders, we agreed, no, Quaid uh, should be uh, one of the partners. And in this case, uh, the application is the, is the, uh, the database. Um, ABB is not one, and the strategy was really a best-of-breed strategy and is today also. Uh, so you don't just say, oh, we're going to take this database and this database and this database and five more and everybody can pick. But no, it's uh, because it's underlying technology, you want uh, to select basically just one of each uh, and then utilize these technologies to very rapidly uh, skill your people on that and uh, and build these digital solutions that you see on the market today. So, so this is how this came about. And uh, I, of course, met also Christian and the rest of the leadership team at the time. And uh, um, when several months later, I got a special call. It's like, Eva, we want to talk to you about something very private, uh, not related to ABB. Uh, can we do this? And I was like, yeah, we can always have a private talk. <laughs> and uh, and that is when uh, you know, Christian came to me and said, hey, we're, we're looking for a successor for himself, uh, a CEO to move uh, the company to the next level. And uh through the next rounds of uh, venture funding, um, would you be interested in doing this? And uh, that's how this came about. Wow, uh, excellent, because it really brought together so many aspects of your your career, your background, your aspirations, as you said, you know, looking at startups earlier as uh, well. So as I calculate, you've actually been there about nine months now. I think you joined in September of 2020. What have your, been your largest lessons uh, taking the helm at, uh, at a hot startup? Yes, uh, I cannot believe it. it feels like eons already, but uh, I'm sure I have more wrinkles in my face today already. No, just kidding. <laughs> it's been it's been awesome. Um, it's been very much what I expected to move into a, a startup at the size uh, today. Um, Create has about sixty good sixty team members, so quite a difference, obviously, from uh, the large corporations I've been at. But uh, the dynamic, the agility, the very fast speed that um, that happens in the startup, and I've been you know dealing with many over the years, um, is exactly what uh, is super attractive. I think not just for me, but also the team members. When I look at uh, today, it's like attitude is number one. Um, do you want to be in this company? Do you want to make a contribution uh, and go above and beyond? And uh, I see this in every one of the team members today um, that uh, that we have. So 
this is um, really an exciting journey. Um, because it's a deep tech company, let's make no mistake here. I mean, it's technology driven. And that was very important for me um, to join. I said I want to be in leading and bleeding edge type uh, um, groups, solutions, companies. Um, and personally, I mean, uh, the, the great technologies are really leading edge uh, for the use cases that are there. Um, machine, you know, machine data, digitalization kind of uh, use cases where one needs a super robust, extremely highly scalable database. And uh, so, of course, what we need to do um, is to ensure that that database is top-notch and stays top-notch and uh, is leading edge um, in terms of, and I'm not talking bleeding edge, leading edge, um, meaning it works really well and is, hits the spot of the need of the customers and the target market. And uh, that's what our development team is driving very aggressively. And uh, this year, I'm super pleased because um, earlier this year, about two months ago, we had a big announcement of uh, uh, our um, um, your core database for developers. Um, and as you know, it's an open source product and we open it up completely and everybody can try this out on GitHub. Um, and just uh, yesterday, actually, or actually at the HMI conference, Hannover Messe, uh, we announced the next generation, a completely new uh, extension of an edge extension. So on top of the cloud, now we have an edge extension, it's commercially available. And uh, this really hits the spot with uh, um, all kinds of um, OT or, or industrial companies that are looking to really go into the digitalization and scale it out. So um, it's, I'm very happy that the company is very technology driven. We're driving the roadmap uh, very hard. We're delivering based on plan, uh, and that's exactly what our customers and, of course, also the investors want to see. Uh, yes, I can vouch for that <laughs> as an investor <laughs> ourselves. But I've I've loved the way you and the team have positioned the company right at the intersection of the industrial IoT, because of course we're in DOC uh, Industry 4.0 and, and AI. And now I could add into that edge as well, which you know we've had a very strong thesis on on edge in the beginning of Momenta. Uh, all collectively, what I'll just generally call digital industry. What are some of the of Crate IO's key use cases and uh, and wins? Yeah, so totally. So Crate started out of consumer packaged goods, um, and um, you know, you know the very depth background of expertise I have in it as well. But uh, um, and think uh, one of the customers and uh, you know Dach kind of uh, audience. Uh, I'm sure they know them is Alpla. Alpla is a plastic bottle manufacturer for let's say Coca-Cola and many other soaps and other things we can find in in the grocery aisle and in various aisles uh, in a grocery store. And uh, as an example, what do we do there? It's in production. Um, and um, you take um, numerous uh, sensor data from machines that produce these bottles. And then at real time, uh, capture the data, analyze the data, and immediately then affect uh, how the machines run to optimize the production. Uh, what does it mean, optimize production in this case? Um, the company is trying to use as little plastic as possible for sustainability reasons, as well as uh, obviously cost, um, but also uh, ensure that the quality is very high. And uh, what we built there um, at Alpla is exactly that kind of uh, use case. 
So uh, the database captures the data, uh, there's analytics for that, and on top of this, um, if something runs away uh, in terms of uh, machines get uh, adjusted wrong or you know, kind of move in the wrong direction, uh, it immediately alerts uh, the workers in the plant via a notification system, real time, please go over to, let's say, line three, machine four, and ensure that uh, you know, give it a watch. And this has huge OEE benefits, uh, the combination of you know, lower product needed uh, and raw materials, uh, lower um, you know, bad damaged uh, products, and also uh, the worker site. Um, so a clear OEE case, um, and you don't now imagine this runs today in 16 plants. Uh, it's all real time, it's all real time analytics, it all uses the cloud. Um, and uh, let's say Alpla has 180 plants. What we realized, and this is some of the learnings, is like, today everything is 100% cloud-based and it works perfectly fine, but there's limitations to this. When you uh, think, oh, uh, some of the plants are in countries where the internet is slow and we're having a very high, uh, we're having real-time you know, production environment here, um, they can't wait five seconds till the internet comes back again or kind of catches up with itself. So the, having an edge compute is extremely critical here. Um, also, when you think about, um, okay, we have, I just mentioned one use case, we actually have two use cases, another one, but you're in a smart factory, there is dozens of use cases where you want uh, a lot of uh, data. And uh, if you send all this to the cloud, it becomes prohibitively expensive. Uh, because you know how uh, cloud pricing works on, on any of the hyperscalers. Uh, it's based on consumption, so the more you send, the more it costs. Um, so what you really want to do is uh, have a cloud and edge strategy on this. And this is the next generation. So um, I know I diverged maybe a bit, but uh, I hope that gives uh, a bit of an idea of what a typical or maybe a, uh, you know, one of the use cases could be. Yeah, if you don't mind, I'll go. Uh, I'll go off a little bit on that, just because I think you you're on a really good track. So, for those who aren't familiar with Crate IO, particularly, why couldn't I use a you know something from one of the hyperscalers or you know a standard database providers in this? What what is the the the, the strong advantage that a Crate IO has in that? Well, um, I mean. I wouldn't say you couldn't, um, you can. Um, it depends what your use case is. So the benefit, um, why you can't use a standard one and kind of a traditional database um, is very clean. The create database, uh, actually you can combine the structured data, which you normally come of coming out of ERP systems with unstructured data. And unstructured is the sensor data. It could be images from, uh, um, you know, like pictures um, from cameras taking, car door pictures to make sure there is no dents in it or scratches or the, the paint was applied correctly. So you in Crate, you can combine this in all in one database and you don't need multiple databases and trying to consolidate this uh, and all that. Um, and also it's meant specifically for um, so the, the types of combination of data, very uh, huge amounts of data, so billions of rows of data and also to be able to analyze then not in this database uh, at real time. Um, so when you're talking about um, industrial scale, um, where you really have these digitalization use cases, then create is exactly that database um, that you want. The hyperscalers have databases too, and uh, 
I'm not saying I'm poo-pooing them at all. Actually, this is maybe a good starting point. Uh, what we're finding customers come to us when it becomes uh, highly scalable. And that's when uh, when a creed really shines, I would say. I could certainly see that. And uh, of course, your, um, I'll call it high-speed packaging CPG background uh, is by definition, uh, you know, generates a lot of data and requires a very high response time. So um, I can see why you guys, that DNA has positioned you well. I, I, I guess kind of going back to your, you know, as you say, leading slash bleeding edge experience in digital industry, I'm, I'm curious personally, you know, what do you see as some of the key trends and opportunities in digital industry over the next decade? Well, we've been seeing and I've been seeing, obviously, uh, especially my days in ABB, I mean, a lot of industrial companies have been in the pilot stage of, uh, of uh, digitalization initiatives and building digital solutions and utilizing the new technologies. But really, it's here to stay now. Um, and um, why am I saying this? Um, when you look at uh, the most recent IDC research uh, from just this year, I mean, they calculate that uh, this year AI and machine learning revenues will be over 300 billion, um, and in 2024, four or 500 billion. That's significant. So we're not talking little pilots anymore. Uh, we're talking now uh, maturing technologies that are coming out. Um, so you can really build these digitalization initiatives um, at scale. And when you look at technologies, uh, I see technologies emerging and evolving. Uh, to your point, why would someone just use a typical, I won't name it, um, traditional software? Because it's not made for that. And what we're seeing is that there is new applications at every piece of the stack, uh, part of the stack coming out that really meant for digitalization. So think the hyperscalers, um, so it's you know, Microsoft, Amazon, Google, and so on. Connectivity options, 5G opens up a lot of new opportunities of digitalization uh, projects one can do. Database layer like ours, we're specifically made for machine data. That's exactly what it's made for, not for something else. AI tools are springing up left and right. Um, machine learning tools, so you don't have to be the super scientist, but you can have applications that guide you through and you actually can ramp up very quickly on this. And we're seeing uh, AI software platforms coming out um, that uh, offer a whole stack of that. And of course, when you think, great, what am I doing with those? I'm ensuring that we're embedding ourselves so that our piece is in there as, term, as part of the, the highly scalable database. So I really see that uh, the technologies are coming out, they're here, they're maturing. Um, we haven't quite seen a consolidation yet when you think about the many IoT platforms we have out there today. Uh, this will probably be the next step, but uh, it's it's enough mature that every company can get started um, and more than get started, move things into production. That's what we're seeing right now. So um, the idea of moving from a uh, try it out, you move into a pilot, you move this pilot into production, and then you scale it out. So I'm thinking one location to multiple location, one application to multiple applications. That's totally the way to do it because you want to make sure it's stable. Um, and it's all true interested, uh, but now you can accelerate this much and much more. And you see it across every industry out there. When I look at, um, I mean, I just gave you the one example of uh, discrete manufacturing, process manufacturing, oil and gas, uh, very um, deep digitalization going on, uh, new energies, um, renewables, smart buildings, smart cities, 
think of concepts like smart farming and smart fishing. Um, the, the word smart, I know it's widely used, but means there is a typically some kind of digital solution applying cloud-based uh, and edge-based technologies to have new services and offerings. Transportation, logistics, shipping, planes, um, retail, pharma, medtech. I mean, you see it really in every vertical. And I think that's why these numbers are so high and it's clearly here to stay. And this is now the time to um, you know, really broadly implement and moving out of the pilot stages. You know, along the same lines in terms of digital industry adoption, and and, and I'll call it the, the, the pilot purgatory, as many people like to call it, I'm always fascinated in people's opinions around uh, success and where companies are really positioned for that. So how do you know when a company is ready for Crate.io, as an example, and what best practices have you seen in driving adoption success there? So I see, I mean, like I just said, the, the digitalization initiatives go pretty much across um, every industrial um, industry that I can see or segment I can see. And uh, it's widespread already. Two years ago, I saw research from Capgemini at the time uh, was 69% of German companies were working on piloting at least one machine learning AI type digital solution uh, and application. That was two years ago. Now it's much higher already. So we're not talking, oh, this is a um, you know a unique thing and I have to hunt this down in companies. Um, there is typical, the typical groups when you find, um, you just ask, is there a chief digital officer uh, or who heads up digitalization initiatives or um, who is the head of like data analytics? If you ask these questions and you point to a person, then you know you found your person and they're actually truly working on these initiatives. So um, it's very easy to find. Uh, and every company that I've uh, encountered there from very large to, um, I would say mid-size, um, is working on this right now uh, in terms of um, the various B2B segments. Okay. So finally, we always like to end this kind of where we started with really the focus on on your leadership journey. Um, maybe a more personal question: Where where do you find your inspiration and uh, I'll say insatiable energy? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> that is good. Well, it's it's two things. Um, one on the private side, uh, I love being outdoors, and that's why I live in Switzerland. So. Um, it's it's just wonderful, you know, during the day I'm connected 7 by 24 uh, on various various tools and uh, I just love doing that. But you got to just turn it off sometime and on the weekends uh, you find myself out in the mountains um, enjoying the wonderful nature we have here. Uh, so that really gives me some time to pause and to think stuff through and uh, to really reflect what's going on and kind of come up with new ideas. Um, at from a work level, I really find um, the energy when I see that the team members, and it would say extended also extended team members, when I look at partners uh, that we collaborate with, or even customers, uh, when they get excited, when they're motivated, when they're really um, gung ho about uh, what the direction is going and seeing the many opportunities, uh, their enthusiasm brings me enthusiasm, and it kind of funnels it going forward. So um, very um, technology driven, really, um, and, and leading edge driven when when a solution or a, a, you know, a larger solution with partners 
brings definite value either on either OAE or time to market or revenue increases or uh, these days lots of sustainability or safety, worker, worker safety, or, uh, areas like that. Um, it just drives my energy up um, when we really provide something that has a benefit. Um, and uh, the last component I have to say is um, I'm people driven. Um, I'm, networking is very important for me, also fostering other people's careers. And so um, I stay in contact um, with many of my uh, team members, with many of my bosses over the years. And uh, I referred to a few, I mean, you even find new jobs through them, but uh, that's not the purpose. The purpose is still to see how careers developed, how can we help each other over the years? Uh, can I support them in any way or fashion uh, in their career, personally, um, through some networking? And it just makes me truly happy. It gives me, uh, it gives me energy to see this that um, team members that were uh, on my team years ago now are wildly successful in some other areas, moving up to the ranks or just happy in their jobs. I mean, that's what really drives me. We share an awful lot in common beyond our Atlanta uh, background as well. And uh, certainly uh, the least of which is not uh, the love for Switzerland. And uh, so I, uh, I live in Engelberg uh, and so absolutely love the outdoors as, uh, as well. Uh, so Eva, thank you so much for spending this time with us today. I really appreciate it. And uh, please, if uh, I have to plug this in, if anybody wants to know more about the database, please just call me or send me an email. <laughs> Absolutely. It's uh, crate.io. <laughs> so, so this has been Eva Schoenleitner, CEO of Crate.io, and if I can add, uh, a, a perpetual explorer of the bleeding slash leading edge. So thank you for listening, and please join us next week for the next episode of our Digital Industry Leadership Series. Thank you and have a great day. You've been listening to the Momenta Digital Industry Leadership Podcast, produced by, for, and about digital industry leaders. We hope you've enjoyed the discussion, and as always, we welcome your comments and suggestions. Please check our website at momenta.one for archived versions of podcasts and webinars, as well as resources to help with your digital industry journey. Thank you for listening.